0: You're listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Balkum as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Today I want to talk about how we sometimes are a little bit selective in our reflections on where we are. And I'll just give you a little example that happened this morning. I was walking my dog. Every morning I get up, uh, have kind of a a routine that I do. I get up and do some writing. And after that, uh, I bring a smoothie to my wife. And then I head out the door with my dog for about a five mile walk. So a little over an hour, we're out walking. And usually during that time, if my wife is working that day, she's out the door. And usually she's long gone by the time I get home. And Today it happened to be that I was just down the sidewalk and I watched her car coming to a stop sign. And so I'm waving, you know, happily waving at her to send her off. And she just turned and, and went the other way. She didn't even see me, didn't even respond, didn't give me a warmth of a hug or or a, a wave or a smile or anything. And and for that moment I thought, wow, did I do something wrong? Is she upset with me? And for a moment, I noticed that I quickly went to my memory banks about other times that maybe you know, I had done something and, and caused a, an angry response. And then I caught myself and said, what am I doing thinking about that? Because what's much more likely is that she was trying to get to work and had a lot on her mind and was looking for cars, not for me, because we never cross paths. And so in this aberration of a moment, she was just trying to get her, herself to work. And, and the person in the wrong was me, not her. But it recalled to me the fact that we tend to do that with our thinking, that we tend to go to all the negative places. We tend to recall all the hurts and pains when we're slightly hurt. In fact, we have a much more uh, of a tendency to look for the negative than to look for the positive. We spend a lot more time recalling the negatives in the relationship than thinking about those positives. And, and the reason is because we always start thinking back based on our emotional state. And so if everything's kind of upbeat, we like to stay in that emotional state. We're, you know, we, we don't challenge it a lot, but when things are tough, when we're kind of in a lower emotional state, we begin to look for the evidence. We begin to look for things that remind us of, of the same event. I think of it as being a whole lot like the, the uh, Internet. If you've ever gone to an article and on that article, you click on to something and that click takes you to another article and you click and you, be, you find yourself lost in the web of connections. You find yourself lost in the web of information. What we kind of know from research is that you can start neutral on an article. Let's say you, you're, you're completely neutral emotionally on an article when you get there. But by the time you read it, you, you might be a little upset one way or the other. And then you find some links that take you to more information about that. And so you click it, and we generally find... Other, uh, the same pattern repeated where we go for evidence that supports our view, that emotional state at that moment. So if the article upset us because we agree with it, we go tracking down other articles that back it up and confirm what we already have decided. If we are upset by an article because we disagree with it, we go find other articles that help us continue our processing of disagreeing with it. This is what social scientists call confirmation bias that we tend to seek evidence that supports what we already believe. You probably went to that article with some, some preconceptions, right? You already had some opinion. Let's say it was a, a political argument. And these days, most of us have an opinion about everything in politics. And so let's say you go to that article and you read it, and that article either supports or challenges your view. And then you go seeking evidence that supports or continues to allow you to challenge it. And you continue that process until in just a few clicks, you are outraged by what you first read, and you are outraged that not everybody else sees it that way, and you are outraged that there's any possibility of somebody missing that viewpoint. And so the beginning point, maybe you had this, this belief that belief begins to morph into stronger and stronger beliefs. That tends to be how people become more strongly convinced of their views over time. Confirmation bias allows us to believe that this is the correct way of viewing it. And that happens in relationships. We collect evidence to confirm what we think about what's going on. If you confirm that your spouse is unloving, you will look for evidence that your spouse is unloving. If you, confirm, if you believe that your spouse is disrespectful, you will confirm that by finding evidence of disrespect. If you believe that your spouse is, uh, is misbehaving in some way, you will go looking evidence to confirm that. And it may or may not be there but we always are looking to confirm what we believe. Now, I do believe, clearly, that there are times when spouses are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. My point here is that we usually are trying to collaborate or corroborate what we already believe. We find the evidence out there to support that. There's a related theory to confirmation bias, which is reinforcement theory. Reinforcement theory says we tend to seek out the evidence that will reinforce our beliefs. Evidence that will build and allow us to continue to build our belief. If you're trying to reinforce something, you're adding strength to it. If you've got a wall in your backyard that's crumbling... You probably aren't just trying to do something to stop it from crumbling, but to strengthen it, to reinforce it so it's stronger. And not only is it not crumbling, but it's, you know, it's now standing straight and it's repaired and has strength to it. That's reinforcing something. And so when we reinforce our beliefs, we're, we're dragging evidence in to allow us to, to defend it in better ways. Social scientists talk about the fact that we're creating bubbles around us in our social media. If you click on an article in your social media feed and you read that article and you click on another, social media is looking, that platform is looking for what you like to read. And guess what it does? It gives you more to read in that direction. It doesn't give you challenging things because the platform is designed to help you stay on the platform. To spend more time on the platform, and so it wants to deliver things that you're going to naturally want to read, which are naturally things that help you hold to and reinforce your beliefs. Not many of us are looking to read an article on one side of, of an argument and then read another one on the other side. If we do, we generally begin to stack up the evidence to refute the one that we disagree with we're still committing that confirmation bias because we're criticizing what we just read and trying to find something that will reinforce what we already have come to believe. There are some next steps in that reinforcement theory. One is selective perception where you block out the things that are against it. So let's say you have selectively perceived that a spouse is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, that they're not treating you the way you want to be treated, being disrespectful or unloving. You begin to perceive selectively the times when they do that. I had a client who we had a conversation I've had many, many times uh, just this past week where uh, the client was telling me the spouse had been out of town and the spouse had uh, kind of promised to be in contact and then wasn't, didn't make the phone calls, didn't make the texts. And so the person I was talking to was on high alert that something was wrong and was sure that things were going down the tube and gave me lots of evidence that would uh, kind of corroborate that except for it was selective perception because I said, is there another possibility? Are there possibilities like the meetings went long? The, the commitment there was, was much more time-consuming or thought-consuming than they expected. Or maybe there's a time schedule problem or, or a time zone problem, or maybe there's something else that is at play, not a spouse who doesn't care. Then this person began to tell me about maybe other times when that happened to be true, that that there had been some problem on that, that work event that had kept the spouse from communicating. But notice that the first perception was, my spouse doesn't love me, my spouse is doing something wrong, my spouse is cutting connection, and on and on those perceptions grew. Because once we start clicking on those connections, they grow, they multiply, We all have them. We all can come up with times when a spouse wasn't as loving as you would have liked, when a spouse wasn't as attentive as you would have liked. And so it's easy to pile on that evidence, but it also ignores the other evidence in the other way because we also have selective retention. And selective retention is just the fact that we remember the things that continue to allow us to reinforce the beliefs. If you're dealing with a spouse who doesn't seem to find a way back into the relationship, recognize that part of what's going on is selective perception and retention. That your spouse right now, right now, is remembering things a certain way, perceiving things a certain way based on past events. That doesn't mean that's how it always has to be. Because remember, when I started this, I talked about the fact that our thought process follows our emotional process. If we're in a good place, if we're feeling connected and loving, you're much more likely to recall those connected and loving times in the past. If you're in a hurting, angry place, you're much more likely to recall the hurting, angry times from the past. If you are hurting and angry and then you end up moving back to connection, guess what happens? The memories of the connection come back. We often think that our memory is somehow a static uh, kind of a picture book. It's like a scrapbook. You're flipping through and you're looking at all of the pictures. In reality, you're self-selecting the pictures that you're reflecting on. It's kind of like you're looking on every other page and deciding that the, the page you skipped didn't matter at all, that it really didn't happen. And we do that repeatedly with spouses. Remember that this process is going on within you and it's going on within your spouse that both of you tend to have selective reflection in this process. So how does that selective reflection, how do you deal with that? Well, let's talk about how you do it for yourself. The first step is self-awareness, as it often is in these things, to be aware that you tend to do that. So as I was walking this morning, I find my instant thoughts was, did I do something wrong? You know, when has this happened before? And to stop myself and say, no, this is not about me. This is about my spouse, at least until my spouse tells me differently. It's about my spouse. And there are plenty of times when my spouse Uh, has uh, been loving towards me, has waved enthusiastic at at me as as she was leaving, has waited for me to come over and and say goodbye and and give her a kiss. And so the fact that it didn't happen one time doesn't negate those other times. So I had to remember that that I was instantly going to a self-selective process in that. So look for evidence to the contrary. It's one of the things I try to do when I'm looking at my opinions in social matters is to ask people, to help me understand it from a different viewpoint. Uh, Sometimes I ask my kids to give me other articles that might help me understand it from a more well-rounded perspective, not just from one perspective. Look for places to broaden your your perceptions by looking for evidence to the contrary of what you are currently thinking, especially if your current thinking is in a negative direction. The second thing is you can reflect on warmer times. It's easy to recall. If you choose to, you can think back on those times of great connection. You can think back on the times when you felt warmer and you felt more genuine with your spouse and you felt that connection. So think back on those times as a way of recalling that that state, that emotional state, and resetting the emotional state in a better direction. The third piece that I suggest you do is practice BOD thinking. B-O-D thinking is benefit of the doubt thinking. Give your spouse the benefit of the doubt. Just as I uh, tried my best this morning when my spouse turned away to say, okay, well, my spouse has her mind on other things. She's got a job to get to. She's looking for cars, not for me. And that's benefit of the doubt thinking. It's not assuming that something is wrong. It's not assuming that something's wrong with me or my spouse, that there's something wrong with the relationship, but giving benefit of the doubt thinking. By the way, that's a muscle. You develop benefit of the doubt thinking by doing benefit of the doubt thinking. That doesn't mean you ignore evidence that that clearly shows something going on. It doesn't mean that you bury your head in the sand, but it means that on general things, you might give benefit of the doubt thinking. Someone comes in in a bad mood, it doesn't mean it's about you. It could be about the bad day. That's benefit of the doubt thinking. And then finally, use empathy build empathy for your spouse to recognize that your spouse is going through lots of things too and your spouse needs understanding as you want understanding and that sometimes when we give build empathy we find empathy back empathy is a way of connecting and putting yourself in the shoes of the other person and saying they've got things going on I might not even understand but there are things going on for them that are impacting this so what about your spouse Well, your spouse is doing the same process. Your spouse is looking for evidence, looking for things that that kind of correspond to what they already believe. So be aware that your spouse is in that same process. The first step in any change, the first step in any understanding is always the awareness that it's going on. The second thing with a spouse is to make sure that when you're making changes, you really are working to keep them permanent. One thing that often happens, is because I talk about making changes in your life, you know, growing and developing, many times people talk about the changes they're going to make long before they make the changes. People proclaim the changes that are coming. You know, they'll, and they'll even say to a spouse, I've changed, can't you see? And the spouse can't see. So part of of what you want to make sure is that instead of talking about the changes, you become the changes. Recognize that nobody makes a change 100% correctly 100% of the time, that we all have places where we're working on those habits, we're we're changing our patterns, we're changing our thinking. And, And by the way, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with you that is why you have to change, but because we all grow stagnant, that we all have places of growing and So you make some of those changes that are necessary for really showing up in your relationship. And when you make those changes, you can proclaim it or you can live it. And my suggestion is you live it. Because when you proclaim it, then your spouse is beginning to look for evidence to the contrary. When you live it, you're piling on evidence of a change that begins to overwhelm the assumptions that are being made. The only way that you fight back at the beginning point of connection— Is by providing overwhelming evidence on your part that things are different. And then remember that emotional state does change the reflection. Remember that the emotional state does change. So a spouse who has forgotten all the warmth and love that was shared along the way will remember it when the connection comes back. So you work on the connection. If you need help with that, if you need help on how to build that, I would love for you to grab my system, the Save the Marriage system at savethemarriage.com, and that will give you some ideas of how to rebuild the connection so that the warmth returns and so that the reflection moves in a warmer direction. This is Lee Balkum, wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.